This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Hey, Second Wind. Today is part two of Jessica Conlon's story. I inadvertently did not have an outro for her first episode. Super sorry about that. It kind of ended abruptly, but it's worth it because this second half of her story brings it all together. Her sort of miraculous childhood and how she found her way through all of that and with her entrepreneurship just kind of inbred in her. And then she was on the ship, fell in love, left the ship, got married, was immediately pregnant. And then after a series of years and decisions that were not always hers, she lost herself and decided to pull the plug on the marriage and thought that that would be the answer. And I've known many women who have thought that their happiness would be found once they pulled the plug on the marriage, that that's what was keeping them down. And there may be a lot of truth to that, but it doesn't just fall into place when that happens. And there's a lot of chaos, a lot of turmoil. And Jessica had to deal with all of that and found that what she was really looking for wasn't what she was really looking for at all. And now she is in her own body feeling great about life and about her second wind and where she's going and couldn't be happier. But her journey is something we can all learn from. And I hope you enjoy part two of Jessica Conlon's story. This girl who's sitting here, Jessica, who's a traveler, go-getter, be present, found herself, like many of us, kind of putting yourself on hold. And that, you said, when we were talking, I don't know if it started hitting you even more when you were talking about it, but you were like, oh yeah, I had to like not do what I wanted to do because I had to now move. I just sacrifice everything that I was working on. So what did that look like? Well, being an entrepreneur and a a hard worker from nine years old on and always being able to make my own way and work really hard for everything I had. Now I've got somebody that is now you know, basically take care of me and I'm going to have our children. And I had a really difficult time with that because I, I was not cut out to be just a you weren't mom. built for that. I wasn't built for that. And I gave birth to our first son in Seattle and I just loved him so much, but I also felt like a, a really big desire and need to work because I liked working. It was to me a reward. Having a child was not a reward. Having a baby and and having a baby cry and feed them and, and change their diaper. And you know, that work, that, that it was work. It's work without yes. a reward, except that you have a beautiful child to love. And I mean, I love them to death when I'm not, I love them when they're sleeping <laughs> and they're so angelic and you just go, Oh, mom is going to get some peace. It's yeah. so much work and you're exhausted. And I think a lot of that exhaustion gets misread. I think a lot of with the whole postpartum and everything that happens to mothers is that there's this huge chemical imbalance after they've given birth. And so all this fluid and everything that's been in them for nine months, all of a sudden is out. And so they go through a chemical change and they're also taking care of a little child, nursing all kinds of, and still trying to take care of the house. Oh yeah. There's no book that you're given when you go home about how you're going to raise this child. You just have to like, they're like, Oh, people have been, women have been doing it for generations. You should know how to do it. But you come home and then you get sleep deprived and you get sleep deprived for six or eight months, nine months, maybe 10 months sleep deprived. So that has such a a huge 
effect on women's psyche. And then you have a husband that's looking at you like needy, where's me, my time. And you're looking at them going, I don't have time for you. I barely have time for myself and I'm not feeling okay. And I've, right. I'm taking, what I'm doing is this job and I don't get paid for it or anything. I am working so hard to, t- to raise a child. I mean, I realized my mom had seven of us, but I also realized that the first, the eldest of us also became the caretakers to help her with the next little ones that came along. And she couldn't have ever done it without us. She that's was right. always, yeah, she always needed us to help. And that is a, that's a wonderful reward right there. So I had been used to taking care of children, but when I had my own, my self-worth went really downhill. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was doing anything worthy, even though I had my child and loved him so much. And I know a lot of mothers go through that. I, I've talked to many new moms, especially about it. And a lot of new mothers that divorce when the child is so young still. A lot of these new marriages, you know, it's almost like it's a convenience marriage for them. They have no problem just giving up after two years or three years, or they have a baby and the husband goes, well, she just didn't give me attention anymore and everything. And I'm like, she can't, she's got a baby. I mean, what do you expect? Wait for the romance to come in. You better romance her. Don't look at her and say, come give to me now. Daddy needs affection because she's not going to do it. And then you're going to start splitting up. So that's a whole nother story, but yeah. So my business I know I have my son and Greg gets moved to Florida. So we have to leave Seattle, which I love so much, but I'm, I have this new life, this child with me. We go to Florida. We, we get moved to Tampa where he's going to work with the hurricane hunters of Noah at McDill. Justin isn't even a year old. And I've all of a sudden I'm, that's it. I'm going back to work. I'm going to open an espresso cafe. So we're looking, we have a baby and he already has his job on base. We're looking for a place to live. And I'm looking for a place to open my first coffee shop, my first jet city in Tampa. Tampa doesn't know anything about independent coffee, let alone Seattle style coffee. Starbucks. Like here I come. Yep. Starbucks wasn't even here till nine years after I opened my shop. Wow. The state of Florida till nine years after I was here. So I opened. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know it's, I was the OG for sure. And in, in Tampa, I know, yeah, but you know, I opened the first jet city. It became so successful that, and I had a babysitter and our house was right around the corner from jet city. So they were able to bring Justin to me every day and I could play with him when it was slow. And when it got busy, I'm like, Oh, take him home. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> but I, I did that. And then I was able to hire employees, but then I kind of got talked into opening a second jet city. I mean, Tampa was starving for this and I was so new and original. We didn't have cell phones yet. Right. And we only right. had home PCs. I, I mean, my this is the early nineties, right? Nineties. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't well, have I, I had a computer at home, which I did my QuickBooks on. I've been doing QuickBooks now for almost 30 years. So I'm very good at QuickBooks. In fact, I've been asked to, to teach it. And I thought about that too. I'll go get certified to teach QuickBooks. And I opened up my second jet city and really shortly opened a third jet city. And so I had three going at the same time. And this is all in less than five years. And then Greg has to move with Noah. They need to move him. They're going to move him now to Minnesota. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I have to sell my, all my equipment and everything. I never sold my name. I didn't franchise. I didn't sell jet city, but I sold everything else. Um, but my first Jet City, I sold to actually a wonderful woman that comes in here every day for coffee, even now. And um, so that it, its legacy went on. But I had to sell that and give up something that I had built and worked so hard for. And I was so well known in Tampa for. And mm. I, I loved my husband. I loved him so much. So we're going to move to Minnesota. And we moved to Minnesota. And he says, I think we should have another child. Cause Justin now it's five. And I said, hmm, okay. I was pregnant. It was hilarious. I mean, how that happens, like I had sex a lot. So I was like, how did I get pregnant? So I have my second child in Minnesota and I'm not really ready to open up a cafe or anything, but I started to get the itch at he's 10 months old and I'm painting at this time. So when he was born, I start painting, 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 painting lots and doing beautiful paintings. So my art creativity is coming back out of me. 
You're keeping yourself going with the art. Keeping myself going, doing something I feel is worthwhile, that I'm worth something because I'm finishing a product that people will look at and go, oh my God, that painting is so beautiful. So I get that reward, that adoration Mm -hmm. because I have, you know, I'm taking care of a baby again. I've got two of them now. And I started to... uh, well, we actually, I, I was really antsy to kind of start working somewhere again, not to have my own business because now I had two children, but maybe just to work one or two nights a week, bartending or doing something fun. Get out of the house. Fun. Get Talk out of the adults. Talk yeah. to adults. Make money because it's all about making money at the same time. But also it's like my playground. So I get an amazing job at this awesome restaurant in, in Chanhassen, Minnesota, and it was called Axel's. And they had several Axel's and they were very well known. They were extremely well run. The owners were phenomenal. They, they had the most incredible customers and the staff were, I've never seen a restaurant run as well as this ever. Wow. It was, I mean, if a server, a server would only be given three tables because they were allowed to wine and dine these tables. They were allowed to sit down and taste the wine if, if a table wanted them to try. They had oh, a beautiful wow. wine bar. They had, I mean, the selection, the wine cellar was amazing, but the owners were so giving and great and trusting of their employees and their employees knew that and they loved them. They loved, I loved working for those guys. I loved every ounce of making money for them because I made a lot of money too. And yeah. they were just so kind. They were also restaurant people that had worked in the restaurants hard their whole lives. They knew what it was like to be in the grind. And they just, they knew that we would work that much harder for them because they respected us so much. They would give us amazing, uh, I still go there today to uh-huh. Minnesota and visit that restaurant. And they, everyone still knows me. And I still have paintings up there that oh, I isn't did. isn't that fun? That's awesome. And I did the painting of that particular restaurant. And I sold over $40,000 in one year of that painting alone, that print. And at that time, so nobody really knew what she clays were. She clays, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. She the reprint on canvas. And right. so I found this amazing she clay artist in Minnesota. And he had this 12-color McDermott press that was probably $70,000. It was very, very expensive and good. And he did the best reprints of my G Clays still to this day. I've had G Clays done here in Tampa, not, not as good. Mm-hmm. But I told him, I said, well, I need more of the Axel ones because I've been selling so many. And he said, wow, I'm really surprised that so many people want that painting. And I said, well, everyone loves that restaurant and that bar that I painted. Yeah. But what I do is I paint people into their own prints. And he goes, what? Oh, and I go, well, it's on canvas. I go, you told me I could change things or change my name or put something on there if I wanted to. And I said, so you told me I could paint on it. So now I paint people into their own prints. And I did oh, it. Wow. every week. I had people asking to be painted in with, I had people oh, be painted with smart. Yep. Alfred Hitchcock or Marilyn Monroe or their whole family or their mascot or the dog or Ham's bear. I had so many funny requests, Austin Powers and Minnie Me. I had, and I do have copies of all of them because of course they, I sold all of those. So once I did that to the print, it became an original. Yeah. And so they yeah. were not only hand numbered and signed in an order of a limited edition, but then they became a one of a kind because I painted Yeah, but that one has Duke, my dog in it. So that's mine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so <laughs> fabulous. So fabulous. And that, that so how did, so it sounds like this is like a dream come true. Oh. My art, I went to college for art and I'm finally making money with my art. I was asked to be in a gallery in the Mall of America. I'm so excited. I'm doing art shows. I'm only working two nights a week at the restaurant and I get this amazing fill of what I need at the restaurant and I make great money, really great money. So where does Um, this all go south? Well, then Greg gets moved. Oh, he gets moved. Here's the next move. See, Noah's government. That must be on page 13 of our notes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, okay. So once again, I have to give up my whole Now you have to give up all this. I'm giving up all my art. I gave up three restaurants in Tampa. Now I'm giving up a whole art clientele. But I still loved Greg so much that he's the one that pointed out. He goes, Jess, you know, when we move, you're going to lose your art stuff. 
your art clientele? And I said, oh, I think a lot of them will still stay with me and I'll just paint from afar and send it, ship it if I need to. You know, and so he did recognize how difficult it was for our family to keep getting moved with the government, but that's what the government does. It doesn't mm-hmm. want you to homestead. It wants right. you to go into the next position. That's how their officers gain all of the experience right. and then go to the Pentagon. <laughs> he said, but here was the exciting part that helped me get over having to lose all of that. I loved Axel's. Oh, I loved my, my coworkers. I loved my customers my neighborhood. I never thought I'd like Minnesota as much as that. And I just loved Minnesota. Loved it. Mm-hmm. So Greg says, I have two places they want to move me to. No, three places, three Monterey, California. I'm like, Oh, I used to live in Santa Barbara. I went through Monterey. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's expensive, but they also, you know, the government also budgets you it, to move it's to a with place the cost with of living. Yeah. Right. So there was, Monterey, Sun Valley, Idaho, which I had been to several times skiing for spring break when I was in college. I love Sun Valley. Plus Mm -hmm. I'm a big skier. Well, at that, I was already a huge snowboarder at this time. So I was like, Sun Valley, Idaho, a snowboard or Boulder, Colorado. And he had spent most of his life. He was born born and raised in Wisconsin, but he lived half of his life in Colorado, right outside of Boulder. So he said, you know, my mom lives there. My sister lives there. Maybe we should go to Boulder and we could be closer to family and be around my mom. And I just, yeah, because I told him, just put them all in a hat and pick one out. But then when he said, you know, he kind of made the decision, we'll go to Boulder. And I said, okay, we'll go to Boulder. We found an amazing house up in the mountains. Did not at all expect to live in the mountains. I wanted to live down in Boulder on the flats. Did not want to be, although I love the mountains, I didn't want to be that far away. Yeah. I've been... You know, I wanted to work again. I wanted to do some. I wanted my art. And uh, now we moved to this beautiful home that I fell in love with actually up in the mountains. And so he would have to commute every day, but he was fine with that. Snowboarding was 10 minutes away. And I'd already started homeschooling in Minnesota. So as I got to Colorado, I just continued to homeschool because my sons are really young still. Yeah. So I take them snow. Yeah. I take them snowboarding five days a week. It's part of our school. Yeah. <laughs> I put them on the chairlift, all of their numbers, their, you know, everything. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. I mean, it was, I utilized time so well. Nothing is ever wasted. So we would do all of our school at home. Then I pack up our lunches and say, okay, come on, let's go ride. We're going to go up to the mountain. I mean, I, I was doing this, but at the same time, I started to get really antsy to work again. And yeah. And it this was is only- when you had those amazing experiences, right? Oh yeah. There's so much. Yes, 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 yes. So I am hanging out. The kids are at some school function because all the homeschoolers always had functions going on. And I'm hanging out at this cool little bar restaurant. That's just so mountain and so old. It's historic. It's over a hundred years old and it's owned by a guy from Jamaica and his wife, who is the great granddaughter of John Deere. They've got, they're really, they don't need to have a restaurant. Right. (laughs) They do it because it's fun. And they also love that. She doesn't do it. He does it mostly. His name was Tony Moon. And I just loved him. But I was sitting there just going, God, God, I just love this place. And I miss restaurant work. And I'm starting to get antsy to open my own place again because I haven't had a place in a while. He said, oh, Jessica, I'm getting ready to get out of this. And the owner of the property, he would probably let you just take over all my equipment. You could just have everything and, you know, pay just a little bit to come in and do it. And I was like, Oh my God. Well, that's kind of dangling the carrot in front of me. So I was talking to one of my girlfriends that worked with me at Axel's back in Minnesota. And she was a big snowboarder. And I said, Oh my God, you should come out here and snowboard. And I want to show you some stuff. And her degree in college was restaurant, restaurant management. How convenient. uh, Yeah, I know. And she worked with me at Axel's and she was amazing. And I just loved her. And so I, we went snowboarding and her and her boyfriend were staying with me and I took her to the restaurant and I said, Oh, it's not open right now because it opens whenever he feels like it. I said, but he wants to sell it. I go, and I'm really kind of excited because this mountain town is so small. It's quaint, but it's very quiet at that time. A lot of it was kind of going through a transition Mm. where it had been very popular in the music scene and bluegrass, really big in bluegrass and jam grass. Yonder Mountain String Band lived up there. Leftover Salmon, 
string cheese incident. A lot of those members lived up there in the mountain. And so it had been a big music scene, but it was going through a lull. And a lot of the music places had kind of like disassembled and weren't, the music wasn't happening. The energy, the creativity wasn't happening. And I said, God, I really want to, I just, I feel like I want to take over this place. And she goes, oh, I'll do it if you want to do it. I'll do oh, it with Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. And I looked at her and I went, you've got to be kidding. And we immediately sat down and started brainstorming. And uh, one thing I do have to say about Greg, which was really wonderful, is that he supported things that I wanted to do. I think he knew that I was always having to reinvent what I was, my creativity when every time mm. we got moved. And he was really- He kind of let you go with it, huh? Kind of gave me. you the reins he and supported didn't say, me. that's gave a bad me. idea. Yeah. If okay. we needed money to open it, you know, of course it was our money, but I'd still be like, oh, Greg, it's going to be like, you know, like $25,000. And he's like, well- you know, let's talk about that. We could probably figure out something. I think we opened the whole entire place. We put like 70,000 into it. I was 25,000. I was the majority holder with 25,000. But anyway, we redid this place and everyone in town was hustling. So excited that we were going to open this up and we were going to take, turn it back into a music venue, bar, restaurant. And because her and, and you I, did. oh but my you God, did. it was phenomenal. So drop a few names. Oh. Drop a few names. Oh my gosh, of who came in there. Oh, I had people from um, Prince. Oh, well, now Axel's in Chanhassen in Minnesota. Prince used to come into there. Oh, okay. Tiger Woods, Jesse Ventura. That was, that was such a popular restaurant. So that had really wonderful, famous people, golfers, okay. and everybody come through there. But in my place, the music scene. Oh, yeah. A lot of people know who Green Sky Bluegrass is. I mean, blues, green sky. So green sky bluegrass started in in Michigan. I mean, they're so popular now, but when they first started out, they played at my pub. Oh my gosh. They came out and played at my pub. And so did a ton of other bands that ended up being really big and doing very well. And then I always had all the guest appearances from Yonder Mountain and String Cheese. When I had somebody else that was, uh, had played with Prince and she had toured with him, she played there. I had booked music. I, I was booked six months in advance. Wow. Yeah, live music, open mic, and then live, live bands Friday and Saturday night was always live band. And people came from Denver and Boulder and all around just to come to First Street Pub for the music. The That's music so cool. Open. And the food was out of this world. We called ourselves the pub, but we would get write-ups from Denver critics, food critics in Boulder. They're like, this is nothing of, of the sort of a pub. This is like a gourmet restaurant with just a very simple name calling itself a pub, but it is nothing like a pub. I mean, we Gosh. had, we had homemade pasta. We would, we would get like, there was a co-op across the street and uh, there were people in town that would hike way up and get the morel mushrooms. And we would buy those. They would be like, you know, $35 a pound. And that didn't buy you a whole lot. No. Buy what we could. And we would make a pasta special with that. It was so gourmet, so gourmet. We made all our own pizzas from scratch, our crust and everything. We made, we had wild caught salmon encrusted in, oh, it was a Minnesota recipe actually, and almonds and just amazing. Oh, we had walleye, king crab legs, lobster. We had the most amazing, wild and all good. And the lunch menu was ridiculously long with all these sandwiches, which were to die for. Our chicken wings are some of the best wings I've ever had. And you're doing this life. with your friend and yes. you're having success. Yes. Super then successful. what? But then what? So, One of the many reasons for this podcast is to collect, connect and share information that will add to your life. It is my honor and pleasure to share products with you that I buy, use, and believe in that are high quality, sustainable, responsible to our earth, and that actually work. One product I have been using for almost a year now, every day, and now twice a day with the diagnosis of my Lyme disease is collagen. Collagen is a buzzword right now because collagen is a protein that makes up 30% of our bodies. And like everything else, as we age, we lose it. Fine lines, brittle nails, Dull hair, achy joints, dry skin are all part of why collagen is so essential. So let me share why Elaine Collagen, the brand I use, is in my opinion more effective than what's out there on those shelves. It is easy to use, tasteless, and dissolves into any beverage. It's non-GMO 
and it's from cows raised in Spain and no chemicals are used for its extraction. Bingo, speak in my language. You can experience the benefits for yourself and receive 15% off by using the code SECONDWIND, all one word, at checkout at elainewellness.com. And if you want to know more about Elaine and her Second Wind story, listen to her episode. The title is Plot Twist. There's no such thing as anti-aging from March 15, 2021. Now, back to the episode. Okay, it's so incredible, so great. We love it. We're having so much fun. I'm, I'm snowboarding. I'm, my kids are you know, getting a little older. I finally decided to put them in school. And uh, then Greg says, well, I'm getting moved again I got back, back to Tampa. And I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe how much I've worked. I've worked so hard. And I have these beautiful, built this thing. I built things everywhere and I've had to leave people that it's just so sad. And the good thing is I still have connections everywhere and I love them so much, but I mean, leaving still takes a toll on you, Jessica. It did. And this was, yeah. this was the last straw. And I said, Tampa's okay. either going to make or break us. It's going to make or break our marriage. Did you say that to him? I did. Yep. Wow. I remember we moved back here and I was in such denial and crying so much about having to leave Netherlands and how much I loved Netherlands and, and my pub and my music scene, my music. I was playing music again too, my Irish music. I wasn't painting as much, but I was just doing so much other stuff. I was really creative and fulfilled. But I, I remember drinking a bottle of wine tonight and I'd open a bottle of wine and Greg would go to have a glass and I'd look at him and say, nope, you want a glass of wine? You get your own bottle. This is my bottle. And I would sit on the back deck and just cry and drink my wine and call friends and just go, this has been such a hard move on me. And yet I have this gorgeous house. And I really, we got a beautiful home. I put my foot down in this house and I said, this is the one I want. If we are going to move back here and do this, I'm getting this house. Which subsequently, um, this house was found by our realtor who knew me back in the 90s with my Jet Cities and found a house which is surrounded by commercial. And she said, it's the only home on the block that's residential, but it can be made commercial. If you want to open an espresso cafe in the wraparound porch, you can zone to do that, Jess, because you're surrounded three quarters by commercial. And I was like, oh, Okay. So now I'm still like trying to like get over my depression. That's my first year of leaving Colorado. I'm super sad still. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to lose my contact with my music friends, oh, yeah. touch with things. But I, um, I decide, well, you're a hurricane hunter and you're going to take off to Barbados and possibly every year during hurricane season, he's going to be gone somewhere. And it wasn't just hurricane season. It was in the winter time when it's typhoon season in the Pacific Northwest. He's gone for another three months. So he flies gone. Japan, Alaska, and then gone hurricane gone. season, he's gone. And so I thought, okay, if you're going to be gone, then I'm going to be gone. I'm going to go back to Minnesota, Montana, Colorado, and start going to the bluegrass festivals that I missed every time I was working, but now I can go. And I'm taking the boys with me. And he was like, well, I mean, that's not really, and I told him, well, the first year I did it, I mean, I just, I was so happy. I took them on a road trip. We went and saw all our friends in Minnesota. We went to Axel's. We did, oh my God, it was so much fun. We went to our old house. We went and saw our neighbors, all our friends. Then we, I mean, our trip became such a gorgeous trip for us. It, it kind of felt like when I was a kid and my parents were. Oh, you kind of reenacted it, didn't you? And I did. And I brought the boys. And so. Now the boys are starting to experience Yellowstone every year. So I did that four years in, the ro in a row with Whoa. them. And even after I opened my Jet City, I left it in the hands of employees so I could still travel for Rocky Grass and take the boys to Colorado through Montana to see my parents and, and all of our friends in Minnesota. And the boys loved it. And it was just such a, uh, oh, wow, that really saved me from wanting to, you know, being in Florida and not being back in Colorado. So now I've got this ability to travel and go there. I love it. So I do that. I start to like start to go to even fly out there because I can't take a long road trip anymore because my businesses start to become more successful. And okay. so here I've got Jet City that I decided to open in my house and it's perfect. It's beautiful. And a, a couple years, almost three years after that, there's a new development of an area in North Tampa and so I start getting pulled to open a jet city up there. 
to help that community develop. So I did. I, we bought a property up there. We started to do the Jet City up there. And it was in the very, you know, kind of the beginnings of, there were a couple other wonderful places that were a few of like four, four or five other really good places that had opened up there. So I came in as like another one of the under, under 10 places. Now it's really mm -hmm. full of places, but yeah. I helped also put this community together with a right. breakfast coffee house. They had all these bars and restaurants, but I had a breakfast coffee house. So yeah. I bring that up to their community. I had that for six years, but it was when we first got everything set up and we're starting to open that and marriage. I started the divorce. Mm -hmm. So now I've got two places running. What made you decide to start a divorce with all this stuff going on? Oh, that was a, that was a big decision. There were a lot of things that were going on in my life that, you know, with Greg on a lot and my decision to not want to be married anymore. That was a hard thing because of course, you know, I've, I've always been successful at everything. And then I felt like I was failing at this. I'd given it a lot and a lot of thought and I wasn't happy. I really wanted to take my trips and I wanted to go back to Colorado a lot. And, you know, he, he didn't really favor those trips anymore. Didn't want me going out there. And I, it was just so fulfilling for me. And then I realized I, okay, well, if I can't do that, then I can't be me. And if mm. I can't be me, then I'm not living the life I want to live. I'm not living my life. I can't live for other people. I'd already sacrificed everything for our marriage at every place we moved to and every business that I had left behind. And I just thought, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm Jessica, how long were you guys married? Um, at that point, 17 years. Oh, okay. So that's a big decision. It is a big decision. And it was a long time. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, if you want to judge me for divorcing or leaving the fan, you know, leaving that relationship, stay yourself in a relationship for 17 years and tell me where you're at. Don't tell me that I'm a bad person for leaving after I've spent that many years. That was a lot of time. And I, it was sad, but I mean, a lot of instances of having all of that in our marriage and then moving back to Tampa and then being told not to be able to go anywhere anymore or not to be able to take these trips. I started to resent him. And I just thought that's, this isn't what I want. What I want to do is my music. What I want to do is be free. I want to, and I, I loved him and it was so hard after sleeping in another room for over a year, I started to fall in love with other people. And so that was another part of me wanting to get away is I just didn't love him anymore. And that's heartbreaking. It's horrible. I mean, nobody deserves that. But it wasn't without a lot of effort on my part, you know, to really speak to him and ask him to come to a meeting place with me. He didn't want to. And he kept saying, you know, you're just being foolish. Well, I wasn't being foolish and I wasn't being hurt. And so that was making. Yeah, you weren't being hurt. And that is what drove the wedge between us and what made me completely turn a 360. And I yep, You unplugged. Yep. Wow. And that that was hard. And the divorce was extremely difficult. It just, it tore me up. It took a huge toll on me for so many years. And that whole time I had that, that restaurant up there, I was going through it. It was just as much joy as the restaurant brought to me and all the people and how much I love them. I still had that, you know, every day that gut hard, like I had to like still face going through this divorce. And it was so, he was not kind. He was not kind. And so it was really pull, pulling me through a ringer, really destroying me. And I Emotionally was and, and financially, yeah. right? He financially, tied up all your stuff. Physically, I was, I was going down. I was trying to stay afloat, but I was, I knew, I knew what I needed to do. <laughs> and I probably knew even before I had that epiphany where I, I knew epiphany that, you know, when I went to Colorado for those three days and I sat at our house because in the divorce, I got the two homes, but he still has not signed off on them all this time now. We've been divorced and he still is the number one owner on the properties, even though they were supposed to be signed to me immediately when we got divorced. So we're still taking care of that. But I went back to the house and visited with friends and I cried and I walked around, and I played music and on hikes. And I just realized, wow, if I am going to continue to exist and be successful and succeed, I need to talk with him and just finish this. And that's when I, I really 
you know, on the flight home, I felt that peace. I felt that burden lifted. I felt that, that pain and everything just lifted because time had finally taken its toll and healed. Really. You can have time to heal over something. You can go either way. You can stay broken or you can choose to heal yourself. And I think I explained this to you before when we were talking, it was like climbing a mountain and then getting to the top and going, oh, mm. I made it. And then I could go down. I didn't slide back. I went over it and I started a brand new life. And having that relationship connection with him again and that forgiveness and that reconciliation was just the most beautiful thing. And I can write him now. I can contact him and, and we talk civilly and we can visit. We can, we just, we have two separate lives. I mean, I've never... I've never been with somebody in my life that I completely severed the relationship. I mean, Greg, we did sever it, but I, we don't have a, a strong connection at all. Like I've had with past lovers or boyfriends that I had way even before I was married. I'm so friends with, I'm yeah. just, they're good people. I knew that was too difficult for him. And I didn't want to like push anything like that. But the fact that we reconciled and the fact that we, I mean, I'm so much at peace and I was able to completely catapult into success as soon as I did that. I as just, soon as you did that. So that's what I want to um, go over real fast. So you, you meet, things get done and you said your life just kind of yep. happened. And then it just, it got, beautiful. I mean, they say this, you know, all these astrologers, all these people say that once you do A, B and C yep. within yourself. And you open the doors. Oh, yeah. That happened for you. I ended up selling the cafe, the restaurant up in Seminole Heights. I just brought myself back to here. And that took a while. That was even after I reconciled with Greg. Uh, just brought all my energy back to this little jet city in Hyde Park. And I strictly just, oh, <laughs> I sold that property and I took off for two months to Europe. I got it. Oh, okay. That works. Oh, I loved it because our whole marriage I had not taken any trips outside to Europe like I had done before I was married. I mean, before I was married, I was traveling to Taiwan and Thailand. Yeah, and you're doing Japan awesome. And Europe. And I had not taken one trip. Yeah. So my two months in Europe was such a, also another rejuvenation for me. And I just felt, oh, God, so free. And you went by oh, yourself, God. right? You didn't bring your children. They were in high school. I wanted to take my children so bad. But they were, one is already an EMT and the other one was in college and I couldn't, yeah. couldn't get them on the trip with me. And I was heartbroken because I, I really planned to take the boys to Europe and it didn't happen. So I went by myself. I had friends over there to visit everywhere. I knew people everywhere. And I stayed with most of them and stayed at Airbnbs the rest of the time and made friends for life at those Airbnbs. I cannot tell you how many Airbnbs that I still write to the people that own them. And I have an Airbnb. So that's why I stayed at Airbnbs and I just got such a great vibe and feel from the, the hosts. And because I was a host myself, they just loved me as, you know, their guest. And I, I loved it. I loved it. And I traveled all around with modern technology and Airbnb experience tours. I was able to go to cities and sometimes I would have three tours a day because uh -huh. it was so exciting. I learned all this history and ate great food and drank amazing wines, And, you know, I, I was really on a budget, but I, I didn't feel like I was on a budget. I'm having the time of my life. And I finished the trip in Ireland, got to stay in a castle, which I traded out artwork for it. They own Irish oh pubs gosh. here in Tampa. And I did artwork for them and traded out instead of getting paid to stay in their castle. And I did. And it was amazing. I was a barter system. Wow. It was perfect. And it was stunning. And oh I got my to sick. And then I went, I mean, Galway and I played music in Galway. It was amazing. And this is the end of my two months. So my last nine days were in Ireland. And I go back to, I'm going to fly back home from Dublin. The, yeah, from Dublin. Okay. And I, I start to, I, it's the second night before I leave. And I'm at my, I'm all over the city playing music. And then I get back to my Airbnb room and um, I just start crying. Uh, oh, the wash over me, the joy of selling my restaurants, the whole building and everything, the joy of this beautiful vacation trip I got to take, 
the joy of getting to play my beloved Irish music in Ireland, the joy of, of every tour I'd had and all these amazing people I met. And now I was going home and I just, I, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude and love and sadness for leaving, but happiness for getting to go home yes. and see my family and my friends and to begin a new life with this little jet city, because I pretty much put her on the back burner when I did the restaurant for six years yeah. in Thermal Heights. So now that trip was just, oh. And the last night I stayed in, at, at that same Airbnb room, I another one again, another bawling my eyes out, crying so much. Release. And that's fine. Such a release. Yeah. And I get on the plane and I fly home and I'm so excited. And I, I literally just start going back to work. And I love it. And I start organizing things. And the pod I had with the extra restaurant equipment, I start organizing that. And I start... My employees are all working for me at that time because they were taking care of everything while I was gone. Right. I got them a phone, credit cards. I said, here, you guys do what you need to do. I'll take care of the bills from afar with my computer, but you can, you guys have full reign of the Airbnb and the shop. Oh, and they were amazing. They were awesome. And I love them so much. And when I came back, I said, okay, you have the option. One of them worked for me, I think five of those days. And I said, if you still want to work part-time, I can keep you on, but I'm going to have to come back to work. I, I need to come back and work. And he said, well, I, I want to stay up in Seminole Heights. And they're asking me to do coffee at your old location. And I was like, oh my God, we'll go. All yeah. those customers up there need that coffee and you know how to make it. And he was so sweet. He left. And I, I literally came in like a brand new, fully rejuvenated person. And I worked over 400 days straight my cafe before I took time off. And that was, yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. I mean, I, I came back, I, oh, I did came back from Europe. I'm sorry. Then I went all over the U S for a while to see friends because I had enough time to still travel before I needed to really get back and, and plug in work. So I went to California for a wedding and to see my brother. I went to Colorado for Rocky grass, went to Montana to see my, my family and my dad's birthday went to New York to see my other best friend. Then I came home. I worked uh, all that time. Um, COVID hit. So I got home in November and COVID hit in March. So now that was 2019, 20 is COVID hits, but I'm still working every day and I'm working every, and I never did close. I worked every single day. Yeah. We didn't have to, cause you're in Florida, I'm in Georgia and we were a little more progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Right able to do it with strict boundaries. Oh, we boundaries. We had boundaries for sure. We had the mask. We had, um, I made a pandemic calendar, which is a nude calendar, oh, geez. <laughs> but, but nobody's showing anything. It's tastefully done. I took all the photos myself. I had all kinds of amazing people participate in it because we were having such a division at that time. And there was Black Lives Matter. There was the George Floyd. Oh, yeah. protest. There was people protesting the mask and the there, we didn't even have a swab jet. We still That's didn't right. have jobs. That's right. And I was encouraging people to get the antibody test early on in April. So we shut yeah. down in March. April, I find out that One Blood has an antibody test for COVID-19. And so I start doing blood drives here. I start encouraging everybody to go donate blood because One Blood's giving free antibody tests. Those are expensive. Yeah. So that was all part of that. And yeah, I continuously worked until the, the end of, 2020. So in December was the first time I went to go see my family. And yeah, so there it was 400 days straight. I know it was well over a year. So yeah, October. I yeah. So in December was the first day I took off and went to go see my, my dad's 80th birthday and see my mom and dad and all my brothers and sisters flew out there. So it was just a great family reunion. And who are you now, Jessica? Oh my God. Well, I have fallen into a relationship with somebody, which I wasn't expecting. And I feel super blessed to have him in my life. Super blessed Yay. because I don't allow myself to, I don't, I don't like my uh, independence taken away from me. I had enough of that, but he's so very wonderful. So very wonderful. And he's enriching my life, but I, who am I now? I am Jessica Conlon. I still go by Glover because I'm known that way too, but I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a mother. I'm a sister, I'm a lover, I'm a painter, I'm a musician, I am definitely a motivational speaker. I love to share with people's stories and help them 
in their life troubles. I'm always here for my best friends. I, I am a very best friend. I have so many great friends. And this is the longest I've ever lived anywhere in my life. 14. Wow. How long have you been back in Tampa? Uh, well, 14 years now. Wow. Yep. I still That's go to Colorado and visit and I love it. And I juggle, I mean, be in both places because I love them so much. But I really love Tampa now. I've built such a, a business and a community and a love for Tampa, a love for Florida. Do you yeah. ever wonder if you hadn't gotten that wave of serenity to forgive, that insight? Do you ever wonder where you'd be right now? Absolutely. I, would, I mean, I think eventually I would have come to that point because I am such a giver. And I'm such a forgiver, really honest. I wasn't one of those people that held grudges at all. And I know other family members of mine that hold grudges. And I'm just not like that. I've always been like the one to make sure that everybody was okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I wasn't okay until that point. But if I had let that go on, it would have just destroyed me. It would have destroyed me. And I knew that so many people relied on me to be their strength, my son's. And I knew I had to be my strength. I knew inside that if I didn't get it together, I was going to lose it. I was already on a path of destruction and I was holding it together by fibers, but I was on a path of destruction and, you know, it just wasn't a healthy, healthy way for me. And I mean, like I was drinking too much. I was smoking again. Oh, you were smoking. Yeah, that's right. And you stopped exercising, right? I pretty much stopped doing all tryout. I mean, I wasn't able to even work out. Like I, I was still working. I was swimming a ton and biking, but I was smoking and drinking. I was taxing my body that much harder. Oh yeah. Taxing. And I just was not on a good path. And it was, you know, just that turning point of boom. It is. I know. Amazing. And that you got yourself out of it. And that's what I want people to get out of this. That no matter all the steps you take in your life, my um, mantras. The biggest, biggest thing. Yeah. yeah. Is this too shall pass. So tell us, this too shall pass. That's your mantra. Too what, shall else? Pass. what else do you say to yourself? Um, never say what is should have cut up because there are mm. so many opportunities that you will miss. And if you have the opportunity and you have it several times, take it because it's, it's being presented to you for a reason. Everything mm-hmm. is done by, by design. It really is. And a lot of people say, I can't possibly imagine that God wants me to endure this. But if you were a spiritual being and, and you do have God in your life, no matter if you were introduced to him when you were little or maybe older, the Holy Spirit speaks through you somehow. It really, there's just something about, I felt it before. I sensed it. I've known it. And, you know, God has never left me. I left God several times, but God never left me. And when I also realized coming back to really praying a lot, and I prayed a lot through my divorce, but when I really prayed and uh, started listening, 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 that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that listen, you get a tap once Mm -hmm. you look, you get a tap twice. You take notice, you get tapped three times, you do it. Yeah. And that changes your life. And that is really, some people say, I don't know how I came out of it. And I'm like, I know how you came out of it. Somebody helped you out of that. Somebody that you have always had along beside you. They've been beside you the whole time. And and just watching everything you went through and also in pain for you because of what you went through. So, yeah, I mean, if I could be positive or motivational for anybody, that's a gift from God. That's a gift from my mom and God. My mom kept us very Christian raising us and still reads her Bible every day. And she's just such an, an angel and a beautiful spirit. And, you know, I love my dad because my mom has put up with him this long. So he must yeah. be a good person. <laughs> yeah. And also you're one of those people that I can look at and say, and I, we haven't met yet, but I want to, that you don't have expectations. No, I don't think so. I just know that. go and do. And yeah. if somebody like we were supposed to meet on Monday night and you're like, oh, I forgot I have this event. And then I saw on Instagram, it was not just an event. It was an event. Like you're dressed <laughs> up and you're doing all these things. I'm like, oh my God, she just remembered this now. <laughs> That's awesome. But, oh. but you didn't have any expectations and you didn't, you didn't say, oh, I can't go now because I'm not ready. Oh, I didn't have it in my 
thoughts to get ready all day or whatever people burdens they put on themselves for these things you go and you do and you take the reins yeah you just go and I love that about you and you're like oh well if we can't meet today because you have COVID I'm gonna go swim I'm like okay have fun I know (laughs) I love that yeah we tried so many times to set this up and do this and I remember I think the the last two times that I had to cancel I I said man I know that this is going to happen. We're eventually, it's going to happen at the right time when it was meant to. It's just not meant to happen today. <laughs> yeah, we actually did do a Zoom live yeah. to film and it just wasn't clicking. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think we're doing the story the way it needs to be done. We should probably <laughs> rethink this. This isn't, it just didn't feel right. And you're like, yeah, it doesn't really. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot, but this was great. Yeah, this I mean, was it- great. This is hilarious because I know that I told you so much of this before, but I don't even remember how much I told you before. And I remember just, I probably taught you or told you new things on this one, but I mean, I feel like we've had so many sessions already (laughs) sessions, and here we are. And so what a blessing. And I just, I feel so thankful that we were able to finally do this. And I'm so happy that Jessica had, you know, connected us up. Jessica Hurley. Yeah. She's going to be on the podcast too. I love her. And she, I just saw her this weekend, her little boy. And I told her that we were finally going to get the podcast. And she goes, that's awesome. And August. Yes. Yeah. Or before <laughs> August. Yeah. I think it was before August. It was before August. But that's okay. It's only December. It's right. at least in the same year. It's the same year. <laughs> Thank goodness. I know. 2021. My goodness. Here we go. 22. And you're ready for 22 and yeah. you have a new love interest and your Jet City Cafe is doing great. Your B&B is doing, your Airbnb yeah. is doing great. I'm, you're I'm doing super, great. Yeah. I'm thankful so, I'm in Florida and I'm allowed to have my businesses going like this because yeah. we take all precautions, but we also are using a lot of the science and the science is pretty much speaks for a lot of what, what we're experiencing in, in our state, particularly being the third largest population in the U S with a very large amount of elderly, mm-hmm. you know, the proof is in the pudding. This, I do this not is disagree. a state to be studied. This is a state to be an example. And I'm just super thankful that I can still have my businesses. I agree. Well, Jessica, darling, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, you're welcome. And- Oh, and until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.